fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Third on FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren and it's got Mr. Dave North Rose Martino. <laughs> back to Rose. Well, we're going to have a rose. It's the rose before Christmas. The Rose oh. Bowl, which is after yeah. Christmas. I read something about a rose. Something about a rose. A rose, a rise, or Reese. I don't know. <laughs> so you're all shopped for Christmas? You all ready? You got all your presents? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you? Have you got any? Oh, no, I don't buy anybody anything. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, oh, that's true. Tight wad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Bah humbug. I'm just... Bah. Yeah, I'm boring. I don't do any of that stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't even give my dog a present. No? Yeah. How mean. I know. I'm a mean Poor guy. dog. Poor dog. Poor dog you know, doesn't get a gift. Doesn't get a gift. Well, he gets one almost every day, please. He's spoiled. <laughs> That's true. Spoiled old dog, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Sounds like my cat. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing selfies with your cat, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Gaining some attention there. I bet your cat would do get more followers than you if, if yes. the cat had the website. You know, you should just yes, do. Well, the cat took the picture. I photobombed it. So why don't you start doing, you know, the Diesel page? Yeah, maybe I should. I bet you. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, he doesn't like his picture taken. Well, if you look at his face, he's just like, oh, no, you're taking my picture again. But then that makes it better. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's that discomfort that works. That's what people like. Come on. Yes. But we do. Anyway. Well, let's see. Now, um, speaking of animals, the book cover has got, couple of howling wolves on it so huh. it's called to dance with destiny hollystone mysteries book five and it's w l hawken so thank you for being here wendy thank you l it's lovely to be here again and hi dave rose hello <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's a rose he's charming rose it's kind mm-hmm. of one of those black roses don't they? yeah uh, so listen wendy mm-hmm. I, now if i'm right um, what, what's going on with you? You've been, uh, writing ever since the last time we talked to you and this is book five you've got out now and you're still writing. Uh, how, how far do you take a series like this? I have no idea how far it will go. I mean, I, part of my process, my, my whole process is just waiting for the, um, characters to speak to me. So, you know, um, when they're ready, they tell me what's, what to write and I go with it. So that's kind of what happened here. So so you're kind of just playing it by ear, so to speak. It just sort of comes and then you then you work on it. Do you ever do you ever get like the idea or it, it, you get kind of where you you're supposed to write and you don't want to? Well, yeah. I mean, I have switched books um from time to time because I realized I'm writing the wrong book and um that I mean I call myself an intuitive writer because I don't 
actually try to think about it at all. So I, I try to stay away from ideas and I try to be more of, um, I guess a channel kind of for the characters and, uh, listen to my muses. And I just mentioned to you that I, I do have a new book coming out called Writing with Your Muse, a guide to creative inspiration. And that's coming out in January that explains the whole thing in, in detail and tries to teach people, um, through strategies and techniques, um, what I'm doing there to have that happen. So because of that being my process, um, with this particular book, I wrote it in three months last year, I guess, November, December, January. And I just listened to what the characters had to say. And when I would go to bed at night, I would say, what happens next? And I would see it or hear it or wake up with it. And then I would write the story based on what I saw. Well, do you feel like it's like transcribing, you know, the, the voices in your head, uh, the voices of the characters and of the prose? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not so much the prose, that that's part my part, like the description part. Like what I see, so if you were watching a movie and somebody said, okay, write, write a story based on this movie, part of it would be the dialogue that's there, and the other part would be all the other stuff. You know, the setting and the description and on all that sort of stuff, all the sensual stuff. So it's a little bit of both. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. So how do you, you know, when you're, you're kind of transcribing, trying to get it, how do you describe your relationship then with your, your main characters then? <laughs> I'm laughing because I just heard this world, I'm going to say it, called Fanta Romantic. Um, which is where you kind of have romantic relationships with your fantasy characters. <laughs> well, there we go. Now, now okay. we're talking. Mm, okay. Now we're um, talking. Yeah. So there's some. Tell us so more. There's, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a friendship. And I mean, this is a longstanding friendship that I've had with Estrada, who is the main hero of this series. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just an interesting guy. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is. And, and I, I don't, I, when I'm actually writing, I was thinking about this at three o'clock in the morning last night when I was trying to think, how would I even describe this? It's like, it's like part of me is like a photographer with a movie camera out, like standing like over his shoulder. Um, but then there's another part of me that's there uh, within because I'm, I'm feeling all his emotion and I'm reacting to what he's experiencing or whatever, whoever the character is, whatever they're experiencing. So there's this, lots of things going on, but I'm de it's definitely intimate, I suppose, is what I'm going for here. Well, then, when you, when you go through all of these experiences with your main character like that, and, you, you know, you're, all the things, and you said it's like being there, you're inside him, how, how does each one of these books in this series change you then? Because, I mean, really, you're living through them. Whatever happens to them, you're feeling how they feel mm -hmm. and the sadness, the happiness, the anger, all of the different emotions throughout the story. Does that, does that change you? I think so. I think, I mean, I think I learn and grow from it, especially because in each book they seem to develop more fantastical powers and, and I'm having to keep up with that, you know, and how the energy works. And because they're Wicca as well. And then there's also druid characters in here. So there's a great deal of research that goes into my books as well. So I would do all this sort of theoretical research beforehand. And then when I, when I sit down to write or to 
meditate and visualize and then write. I don't have to do the research. I can just place myself right in the scene and I can see everything. So I have a really good visual sense of and hear everything. I can see and hear where we are and what's going on there. Do you take a lot of artistic license when you know, describing Wicca or, or no, <laughs> take a lot say, of drugs? That's what I thought he was going to say. I, really, I did. That would be Al. That's why I laughed. I was like, here we go. Here we go. Um, <laughs> do I take artistic license with Wicca? Well, I've, I've practiced Wicca, and I still practice Wicca, and I practice the, you know, the eight Sabbaths of the year, and, and uh, you know, I practice some Druidry. So I really try and stick to what I have learned through those associations. But then I also take it a little bit farther because I also have gods. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. You're, you're busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> so so where do you um, draw from for, to get like because you you talk about ancient magic and mm-hmm. modern trickery and stuff like this as mm-hmm. well as the Wicca and now you've got God. So where do you decide on what you're going to accept and put into the book and what you're not? Like how do you draw that line? I don't really draw that line. I just sometimes I actually am like, are you kidding me? Is this what you're going to do now? Um, I just let them go. So they're really, for me, there's a lot of trust involved as to, okay, this is what is about to happen, and I'm just going to write it and see where it goes. Because it may seem like this doesn't fit, or I don't know where we could possibly go from here. But if I trust in my process and my muses, I get where I need to go. And that's, like I said, this, this book happened in... In three months, the draft came out very quickly. Well, then um, that's what I was kind of trying to get at earlier. So when you get this and you have these ideas, you just put it down. So you don't really challenge the process itself or the ideas you write down? No, not no, not in that way. I mean, the, the process for me, like I can say right now, I'm going through a bit of a, a, a difficult period with it. And and I mean, part of one of the chapters in, in my, my new book that's coming up is called, you know, what to do when your muse goes AWOL. And, and it's kind of explaining that, like this whole, this whole theory is based on, on science, actually. So brainwaves. So do you know, you know about brainwaves and megahertz and, and all that stuff? I, I haven't had any brainwaves. Oh, no, no brainwaves? Okay. <laughs> it's dead over here. It's just. No. Oh, no. Okay. Well, that can be good, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. I try, I try for that sometimes. But um, more relaxing. So, so basically, like <laughs> condensed and condensed primer is that in when we're in our regular mode of of living and like what we're doing right now, or we're marketing, or we're doing business, or our tax, or something, chatting away, we're in beta mode, um, which is a pretty high. It's at the highest frequency of brain waves that are in your head. And then what you do is you try to come down a little bit into alpha waves, and that brings you into a more creative space. So if you're daydreaming, kind of relaxing, um, that will bring you down a bit. Where I try to get is the next level, which is theta. And, and, and theta is, is that place of kind of um, uh, just before you go to sleep, you know, that, you know the gray zone, the... Um, that sort of luminous time where anything can happen because you're you're freed up and you're 
going in and out of dreams and that kind of a thing. That's where I, that's where I try to write from. So I like to have, I need some, I need lots of good quality time to be able to do that because I can't just say, okay, now I'm switching and I'm going to sit and write for an hour. I, I don't think when I write, so I'm, I, I can't just switch that quickly unless I do a whole meditative process to get me there. And so that's part of my process is doing the meditative thing, going into that space and then letting it, letting it happen, letting it happen. Right. The, the last, the last date is Delta, which is, which is deep sleep. Right. So, so you're, so you try to try to catch it, but I'm having a difficult time right now because just because of circumstances, I'm doing a lot of things that I, um, that take me away from that uh, quality time where I can just relax and go into those states of mind, like looking after a two-year-old. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, there's no no quiet time there, is there? <laughs> no, there is no quiet time with the little red-haired boy. It's um, <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you go into those states? Did you? Is it uh, just through meditation, or do you use music? Or because I know there's uh, different types of ambient music that'll bring you into those states, or supposedly will. Yeah. So I have several different things that I do. And, you know, one of them is, is doing some visualization exercises first, um, different types of meditation, like just breathe in, breathe out, watching your breath, um, that kind of meditation. And, and then, yeah, binaural, binaural beats, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, right. And, and I also use shamanic drumming because I've done, I've written, shamanic scenes with strata where we actually take a, a shamanic uh, journey in the book and i take and i take in that journey with them and then for 20 minutes half an hour with the drums going my earphones in and then i sit up and i write what we just experienced so that yeah that journey is in book three actually wow, wow. so uh, so that's like an acid trip in book three <laughs> Well, yeah, it kind of is because they're fighting <laughs> vampires. So, you know, oh. it's like high stakes. And the vampire has stolen his child, his baby, on her first birthday. I mean, think about that. That is pretty brutal, right? Yeah. 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 So it, it is It is kind of, they need to really get down with how are they going to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, so are you able to write without doing this? Without drugs, you were going to say. Yeah, without doing the drugs and the acid. And all that. No, I'm just saying because it seems like, um, you know, quite often some people, they can just turn it on, sit down, turn it on, write, mm -hmm. turn it off, whatever. And other people need to be in a mood and condition. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're more in that you have to be in a certain state. And so can you do it the other way or is it you just really have to be in this, this state? You know, to really reach like my peak of creativity – where I'm, I'm saying, tell me what happens next, and then I get an answer, and I see a whole situation occur. Um, for that to happen, I need to be in this space, for sure. I'm not the only one. There's, there are lots of other people. When I was writing the book, I was looking at um, all kinds of quotes by people who, who, use, who use this type of a process. So. Oh, I'm sure. Just look at the news. There's... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there are. I mean, you know, even Bob Dylan said, I don't even know where my early songs came from. Like, they just kind of were gifted to me. And I don't know if drugs were involved there either. I'm just saying. It's, it's you know, there are lots of other people um, who 
who use that uh, this kind of creative process. So what do you so when because you do this and you're doing it successfully, you're getting books out and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there is there something that you would say to someone that is trying to to write this way or do this way? Is there some sort of method or you know if someone has issues or trying to get into that state and they can't what do you recommend well practice i mean meditation is a practice and the more often that you you know do it um in whichever way like david said you know there's there's uh there's videos out there like visualization videos that you can do anything that will bring you out of monkey mind or that that kind of crazy day-to-day left brain analytical thinking mode is going to help you get creative. And the more that you do that and allow yourself to go there, the easier it becomes to get there. But I, I think the videos Dave talks about, you don't, they're not the same. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. My, 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 <laughs> I don't I'm know, just Dave. saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling that um, my favorite, my favorite easy one that you know, if anybody wants to look it up, is there's some there's a couple of British guys called the Honest Guys that are on YouTube, and they actually do a whole um, Middle Earth Shire series where they where they take you on a guided tour into like the Shire, and you know you get to meet hobbits and elves and all kinds of things. So depending on you know what your jam is. Um, there's lots of different, lots of different guided visualizations. That's a good way in. Or going to going to a teacher. You know, I really, I really came up with this book because I was studying mediumship and psychic development for about a year with a teacher and some other people um, a couple of years ago. Because I was writing a lighthouse mystery where the girl became a medium, and I needed to know how that worked. And so I thought, oh. And then this mediumship class came across my computer, and I thought, well, there you go. You better go. So I did, and 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 sure enough, sir, I was talking to spirits pretty soon, you know, um, and so was everybody that was at the class. So I think part of it is finding your tribe, um, going to those kind of classes as a group meditation can be really good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You just you just don't want to do that while you're driving. No, but I also know lots of people who, <laughs> who do. <laughs> yes, um, who I actually know one Vancouver writer. Who, who does all his, he's a plotter, but he do, does all his ideas driving around Vancouver because that's where he sets his books. And he just basically does that. And I've actually done that before where I've driven around on, on autopilot when I'm in the middle of writing a draft. And I get somewhere and I'm like, oh, man, this is not where I planned to go. I was supposed to be going to, you know, somewhere else. So it does happen. It does happen. So let, let me get this. You get into this trance. And mm-hmm. you're you're in this world and and mm-hmm. whatever's going on, and you actually get into the vehicle and start driving around, and then you wake up and you don't know where you are. No, not quite, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> just, I'm just trying to figure this out. It's more like, oh, I need to go to the grocery store, and you're in the middle of a, a draft, and all of a sudden you're like, you're into your draft, and you go down the wrong street, and you don't notice <laughs> that kind of thing. But you're still, but you're still driving the car. <laughs> Like, okay, it's just that you're sort of not really thinking about what you're doing in the moment because you're somewhere else. So all of a sudden you realize you're at the border crossing and you've got a bloody shovel in the back seat. (laughs) And you're like, "Uh, no, sir, I don't know what I'm doing. I I was... 
that one of your true your true crime guys do that? Do they? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh-huh. You know the people are in this world. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. So, so you've done this now. When this happens, then like you're doing it in this state, and this comes to you, and you do this stuff. Do you have any input in the in the part of um, a subtext, a meaning, or a a lesson to be learned through each one of these books? No, I really start. I try not to do lessons. I was a teacher for way too long, and I <laughs> like it's like a high school teacher. Yeah, and and, and you made it out alive. Uh, barely. <laughs> yeah, I actually I actually took a year off and went and became a lighthouse keeper. That's how stressed out I was. <laughs> but granted, out of that experience came this um, came this book. Um, that I have written, it's a lighthouse mystery where the girl becomes a medium. And out of that came mediumship, and out of that came my writing process. So it's, you know, it's a really interesting kind of a uh, way leads on to way. Yeah, one thing leads to another. And it, yeah. When, you, when you're doing that, but do you think one comes out organically? Mm-hmm. Do you think there, there is a lesson in each book? I wouldn't say there's a lesson in each book. I, I, well, did you think there's a meaning or a subtext? Do you think like a that, theme or something? Yeah, like if yeah, because if if I was to read, let's say, book five here, I'm reading mm-hmm. this book, and besides the entertainment and the excitement and all the, you know, trickery and stuff going on, and st- mm-hmm. when I finish the book, do you think do you think there's some sort of a a message? Yeah. Well, I think with this one, and the title is "To Dance with Destiny," and Destiny is a wicked dancer, right? Um, I mean, there's the there's that old old notion of don't don't mess with fate and don't mess with destiny because you know it's just going to make things worse and when I was writing this to me the thought to me was it was called to write a wrong because this book is about um like okay just when he I was telling you a little bit about the raven stealing the, the or the raven the vampires which are ravens um stealing his child and that happens in book three and then in book four, we time travel, that's a whole other discussion, um, to, to Iron Age Ireland. And at the end of book four, he, the god, Kernunos, brings him back through a wormhole. They ride through, there's, him, there's Estratus, Sorsha, and Connell, who is an Iron Age bard. And they ride through a wormhole with like pretty much nothing but the clothes they're wearing and on these horses into modern Ireland. But what he realizes that is that when he left, it was September, and now it's June 21st at summer solstice. And in between summer solstice and September is when the vampire stole his child. So he goes, oh, wow, wait a second. I've got all this knowledge. I'm ahead of schedule. I can go after these vampires and stop all of that stuff from happening that happens in To Render a Raven. So he tries to rewrite it. Did I keep? Good. Did I? Are you with me? Okay. No. So that's what. Yeah. So that's what happens. So he decides he's going to write a wrong because there were a lot of wrongs that happened in To Render a Raven. It ended quite tragically, and he wants to stop all that stuff from happening. So he's his plan is to get home as soon as he can and go on the offensive and wipe out the vampires because he knows where they live. He knows what they're like. They don't know that he knows. So he has all these great plans, but then can you change destiny? That's the question. So in terms of your question about a theme, that might be the same. Is it possible? Is it possible to change, change destiny or fate or, or, or not? 
I'm not going to tell you. No, of course not. <laughs> You're a big meanie. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, how it goes. But I can tell you that things get really messed up when you try, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. It, yeah. it, it happens to me every day. <laughs> okay. Or, or you, or do, you, do you actually, do you ever think about the reader then when you're doing a book of this and, and, and what your reader is going to think of the book? No, not really. Even, even in the edit part, like, you know, because when you've got it together and you're in the editing and before it gets published, are you, are, are you conscious? You're not conscious really of what, what your readers of the first four books, let's say, are going to think? Um, I know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I know that like anybody who's following me is doing it for a reason because of the characters and because they're kind of different. So, I mean, okay, wait, I am conscious of the reader enough that I will put in enough information so that they can read each novel as a standalone without being confused. Okay. I think that is, that is something I do. Um, but the storyline itself no, and I mean, I mean, I've and I've had, you know, I've got a couple of readers that said, "I love Estrada, but he is so irritating." I mean, you just want to slap him up the head. You just want to do it because he's he's very irritating at times, and he makes really bad decisions. And that's just who he is. Yeah, I can relate. Well, what happens to these um, characters now when you when you go on a, a break from writing or? doing something else you're in another project and stuff do these characters just disappear or do they still linger um they're i think they're just i just leave them wherever they are and um and yeah there's they're there i mean they're lingering out there and i mean if i called him in now and said what are you doing what do you want to do now i'm sure he would tell me is it like bewitched you twinkle your nose no unfortunately <laughs> not no it's not that easy it's it's more like an, no i actually have a conversation um and I mean, that's how I how I started writing To Kill a King. Actually, I was I was writing this lighthouse book, and and I was about I don't know third or half of the way through it, and I was missing him. And so one night I said, "Hey, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on with you?" Because I left him. I ha I did feel bad after Terrender a Raven. I left him in a real funk because it was quite tragic, and so. I was like, what are you doing? And and then the next morning, I woke up and I knew where he was. I knew what he was feeling. I knew what all was going on. And I went, okay, you're writing the wrong book. So then I just started writing To Kill a King. And, and I went with it, you know. Because he wants to get going. You leave him in a bad state and go about doing something else. And it's okay for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, for <laughs> sure, right? For sure. So, you know. I mean, he did, he did things in To Dance with Destiny that I questioned. But who's the boss? Well, exactly, right? Like, it's not my story. <laughs> so he did what he, what he wanted to do. And, I mean, he, he suffered for it, which is what happens when you do something silly. I don't know if it was silly, but... <laughs> well, do, do you think anybody in, in life, in your real life, like physical life outside, do you think any of the people you interact with get into your book somehow, get written into it? I don't think so. Mm. No. No, I don't, no. I don't, no, I don't feel, I don't feel that, no. You don't feel anybody's energy in any of the characters? No. Do you? Do, I'm just curious, do you? Do you? No, no. Well, the thing is, but I'm writing real people. Well, I thought you wrote fiction now, too. I am, but that's, it's, it's not, I'm not published in fiction yet, so at the moment I, I, I'm not equipped to talk. 
<laughs> okay. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. I'm. I'm. But I'm totally insane, so nobody cares about that. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. See. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, that doesn't matter. I'm just. I'm a nutball, right? But in a good way. If. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Are you conscious about how much violence goes into the book then? I mean, because it sounds like the story comes out and it's all this, you know, action or gripping and things happening and stuff. Do you do you curtail some of the violence? No. Um, no? I, I mean, I try to write it, I was going to say, from a literary literary point of view. But, um, you know, I, tr- I try not to make it like slasher kind of violence. And, and I don't particularly like horror, although I've been told that to render a raven is is a bit of a borderline horror, horror, but I mean, I just picked up a book last night and I thought, Oh, this looks good. I'm going to try reading it. And I read the first part and went, Oh, we're, we're moving into horror land here. No, I don't want to do this. Um, so I put it down again. So that's, that's not my thing, but there, of course there is violence because we're, you know, we've, we've got vampires and we've got um, them killing vampires, vampires, you know, trying to eat them. But I think the emotion is it what is what it, is that play more so than the physical violence. I will say with this book, I was <laughs> I was a little bit. There's a lot of sex in this book. And, oh, there you go. See now now we're getting to it. But go. it's but it's but it's not all. It's not all like it's not it's not, not all, all depicted. It's not yeah. it's not all depicted. Like one of the reviewers here says. Great erotic scenes of intimacy, many of which aren't even sexual per se. So there's again, there's more intimacy going on than than there is, um, you know. It's more. It's not explicit. It's not explicit. Yeah, it's, it's in the mind. It's a suspense and it's kind of yes. tension in the mind, right? Yes. More, you know, yes. You know, mind you, I ha- I have to wonder, you know, when when uh, J.P. McLean McLean the McLean burger says. <laughs> A tall, sexy drink of satisfaction. Well, well that, that's what wonder. she said. What can I say? Well, that says it all, doesn't it? Well, yeah. No, there is. I mean, there is. It's um, and you know, I'm happy. I'm happy for this one because you know, Estrada. This is book five, and he has desperately, <laughs> desperately tried to find the right person, and c- continues to find the wrong people. And I'm hoping that he did find his happy ending finally here. So I don't know. Um, well, no. I hope so, too, you know. Yeah, I hope so, he, too. He deserves yeah. some happiness after five books of you. Well, I know, right? <laughs> like, that, you know, it's a lot. I mean, he's had happy moments, but, I mean, to to have some kind of, like, oh, this might be the right, the right man for me finally, right? Like, um, he's, you know, he's really, he's really tried and... I mean, so there are two LGBTQ relationships in this book. One is with him and the other is with Sorsha. And so Sorsha is an Irish archaeologist that's been in three of the books. And she she kind of hooks up with her old girlfriend from university in this. And so there's a another, the, the Sorsha subplot is happening at the same time in this. So, so do, you, do you have any... I wonder, is there any difficulty in writing characters like that, like a man character being with another man, considering you're a woman? Am I? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is this is what I've been told. Now, I mean, this this might not um, be true. You know, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I think philosophically, 
you know, yeah, we're all a little of each. Um, but no, and I think that comes because I'm so close to him, and I just, you know, the first the first scene I had to write with him into Charm a Killer, I thought, how am I going to do this? And this was many years ago, okay, that I wrote to Charm a Killer, and he had he had gone along and kind of sacrificed himself to a serial killer. And the guy was in love with him, and he had he had said, you know, let her out, let 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 this woman go and take me. I'll do whatever you want. And so he's a man of his word. So he went with this guy, and and he he kind of wakes up and he's he's tied up um, on his bed in a cabin, and with it with a blindfold on. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And um, yeah, so I just. Kind well, of that sounds like, fun. Okay, all right. So you know, um, it's from if I'm in his point of view, then I'm just I'm just writing what I'm experiencing through him. That makes sounds sense. Sounds like yeah, sounds like fun. Good yeah. old time. I mean, you know. Yeah, there's nothing like being tied up in a bed and blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It sounds pretty good. So when you, and I noticed speaking of being tied up. Um, I noticed you're on the cover of, is it Books and Buzz magazine now? I am, yeah. That was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you look very happy laying on the ground. Thank you. Thank you. And I wasn't tied up on that, just so that everybody's clear about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I yeah. Might, you Someone know, pushed I, you down and they took pictures. Yeah, yeah. We were, just, we were just trying for some, you know, we did a big photo shoot um, on Vancouver Island, and we were just trying from a lot of different shots, and I sent a lot of different shots, and that's the one that uh, Tim picked. So I really like it. I I, I like it because I think it's really Christmassy. And um, oh well, there you go. Yeah. So that's good. Do, do you like going out and doing things like that, or do you like do, do you do live events now that COVID's kind of in the in the past now? Are you doing any live events? Uh, I that? do. Yeah, I do. I love doing readings. And and um, this this year in particular, because on Vancouver Island, I did a lot of uh, summer markets. And you know who got me into that is J.P. McLean, because she's over here too, you know. And so so Joanne and I, you know, she she said, you know, check out these markets. So I actually I actually did really well at summer markets, and I and I found that that's the best way to sell books. It really is. Yeah. Why is it just your? It's more intimate you're close yes. to people or yes people people want to pick up your books and hold them and leaf through them and talk to you about your process um you know i'll explain the whole series to them and this summer in particular um i had people that were a lot of people that were vacationing and they'd be like well what's the first one and i said to charm a killer and i i'd explain it and they read the back and then they're like oh this is really good what if I like it and I'm not here? How am I going to get it? I'm just going to take the whole series. And so I sold several of all four books in the series over the summer, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, print yeah. books. Yeah. yeah that's so, great. Yeah. yeah. And with my tattoo series, they seem, people seem to be drawn into the tattoos. You know, they, they stand oh. out. So, which is what you were saying with the two wolves on the cover. That's a tattoo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, you see, you see, for me, I'm usually just leaving them around the malls and the bathrooms. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. I, well, you know, you do what you have to, right? And people pick up the books and food courts and, no. I d you know, bus stops. I just had a flashback to when George, <laughs> <the bathroom. laughs> George Costanza 
took a book into the bathroom, and I think it was an art book on Seinfeld. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he brought it back out again, and they were like, oh, my gosh, no, you have to buy that now. <laughs> Sorry. Was, oh, there you go. <laughs> I just, I just see, I just went. There you go. No, that's that's you yeah. know that's how I get them to buy my books. Well, there yeah. you go, right? You but know, yeah, um, that I really do enjoy going, going and talking to people and doing readings and things like that. So, yeah. Wow. So, what, what do you got coming up here? Like, you're you're working on another project right now. You said. Yeah. Well, I've got so so Destiny came out for for uh, Samhain, which is Halloween. And then January 9th, I've got Writing with Your Muse coming out. And, and what I'm hoping to do with that is, is uh, to start doing some Facebook Live uh, meditation sessions for writers if they want to join me. And, we go, and I will take them into a space and we will write together because then I can demonstrate the process a little bit more. Because I did, I did actually workshop this with people. I'm not just, you know, making it up as I go along. I have tested it and it works. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to do that. And then right now I'm, you know, I'm really trying to get some time to draft a completely new story, uh, from 1924, um, the rum runner, the rum runner, uh, time historical novel, um, set in Victoria, BC and the Gulf islands, which is interesting, you know, because we had no prohibition. The Americans had prohibition. And so, we were running booze across, and they were coming up and grabbing it and taking it out. So yeah, um, we're we're always helping the freest country in the nation, <laughs> right? But that yeah, I mean yeah. So, Every time they make something illegal, which is it seems yeah. to be all the time, yeah. we have to pick up the slack, you know. But. For sure, and it kind of it spins off. It spins off. I know you do true crime. It spins off a, a true crime. It spins off the the murder of. Um, Bill Gillis and his son Billy, who were, I think, the only people ever murdered in Canadian waters, or the first people murdered. Um, and they were. They were. It was a brutal murder. Um, happened in the in the Gulf Islands, and so it spins off of that. Um, it was. It wasn't to do with the rum running. Yeah, or? yeah. It was hijackers. I mean, because you know, they, of course, the American, the good, the good Americans were coming up. <laughs> Pete, like legitimate Pete, like that, like there were good guys coming up and you know buying, taking like 350 cases of uh, booze over to the states, and you know everybody was making a nice profit on it. But then there were also the unscrupulous guys who were up there going, "Hey, we can pirates." They were basically pirates, and uh, they were just looking for boats that were hanging around, looking to be, you know that they knew had a hold full of booze. And, yeah, so they were attacked by these three guys um, that were pirates, and it was pretty brutal murder, murders. Well, so how do you, when, you, when you're doing that kind of work, mm -hmm. how's your process then? It's, it must be completely different, right? Well, okay, so that's a good, a good question, actually. So I've done a lot of research on those people. They're not, they don't really play a big part in the book, because it starts kind of with their murder, um, but it's a spin-off from there. And so I've, I've got all the, the research part done, so I know what it's like and, and, and what the dangers are and whatnot. Um, and then I go into this mode, which is what I'm trying to do now. So I can, 
you know, I can go into um, the girl's, like there's a young girl, I can go into her grandmother's house and I can fully see the whole thing and how it's set up. And they're actually psychics. Her her grandmother and her grandmother's friend are psychics who use tarot and Ouija boards. Because, you know, in the 1920s, it was a big thing to do that. You know, Arthur Conan Doyle and, and all that. Yeah, they there was a real big thing with after the First World War, right? People were mm-hmm. trying to connect with their dead. And uh, it wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm yeah. finding that part really fascinating. And, and the, the 20s and that time between the First World War, um, yeah, I, th- I find yeah. that's a really, really kind of interesting part. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's, do- yeah. again, doing the research and then still slipping into the mode so I can say, okay, what's happening? And, I mean, I just had a thing with that where I took her to the grandmother's house and I thought one thing was going to happen and all of a sudden this other thing happened. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like really? Okay. How am I supposed to do this? So I'm going to go with it. And I don't know why it's in there. I don't know if it's going to come back later in the book, if there's a reason for it. Um, and that's the trust piece, you know, is there there a lot of sex in this book too? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, I know. Right. No, there isn't. (laughs) Well, Um, you know, there's not always room for it. Yeah, uh, this one is this one maybe want more of a teen book. Okay. Um, that and the lighthouse book too. I think they're more more a teen book. So do yeah. You find it, yeah. Do you, but you find your relationship with your characters are different than what they are in your fantasy books. Um, well, they're definitely not as like casual. I think because it's just like I've been in a relationship with you know Estrada and Michael for like since two thousand and six. That's a long time. That's a long, why don't you get married? Long time. He, why would he get married? He, why don't you get married? Like, <laughs> oh, me and Estrada? Yeah. I think I'm too old for him now. Oh. See, there's there's the rub, right? You know, like oh. I have aged, but he has but only he he's only two years older than when he well, that's started. That's not fair. I know that's not fair. Yeah. That's that's really not fair. Well, no, nope, it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, so when's that book come out? Or do you have any dates, or you don't? Oh, know the Rum Runner book. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, it depends when I write it, when I get to it. Like I said, right now, I've got a lot of commitments that I'm trying, you know, that my life is in a little bit of turmoil right now. So, um, I need those chunks of time. So we'll see. We'll see if, how I, how I do over Christmas, if I can just really get into it and hammer it out because the editing process is a whole different thing. So after I have the draft done and I'm, and I go, okay, this actually works. I might finish the draft and then I might put it on the hero's journey and test out the plot after I write it because that's kind of how I roll. And then if I like where it's going, then I'll send it to a uh, developmental editor and then I'll have them come back and they do the part of like, well, maybe your readers need to know more about this or can we get more of emotional beat here? I'd like to hear, I'd like to see a reaction to this. Um, And so I'll take all of that information and then I'll do another rewrite and then after that, yeah, then, oh, and then there'll be beta readers as well, and then there'll be a copy edit at the end kind of a thing. So right. it's yeah, a long process that after the actual writing, which I don't know how many people know about that. But. And so the, the workshops you want to do with people with that other, with the nonfiction book, um, mm-hmm. have you been doing that before, like for a long time? Uh, not for a long time, but I've definitely given workshops before, and and I yeah I think it'll be 
a pretty neat thing to be able to do. I, I'm interested to see how, how people respond to it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, there's a lot in it for you as well. There's a connection, right, with other people. Yeah, and I would be also doing the same thing they're doing. So, you know, we would both be kind of going into a meditative state and, and then writing. And then, so what we did in our workshops where we were live, um, was then we, we read, um, we shared what we read and, um, it, it, people were floored by what they wrote. You know, it's, it's like tapping into another level of subconscious, really. Well, uh, now that the drugs are decriminalized in British Columbia, I guess that makes it easier too, right? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> you don't have to worry about getting busted or raided, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, listen, um, where do people find you? Like, uh, do you have uh, social media, website? Um, I do. I tiki do. bars? Like, where do people uh-huh. find you? <laughs> um, Blue Haven Press is my bluehavenpress.com. Is, is the place to go. Okay. Yeah. Well, per- well perfect. Now we're going to have that up, your website, your book, yeah, everything, so they can uh, find you easily and uh, we wish you the best. Well, you know? thank you. And as usual, I really enjoy chatting with you about everything. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff, heroin. So now yeah. the book, mm-hmm. To Dance with Destiny, Hollystone Mysteries, Book 5, and our guest is the author, W.L. Hawken. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, Dave. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.